right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And KU takes on Iowa State tomorrow. You can go on out before the game. Nick and Scott Chasen are going to be at Big Mill from noon to 1 o'clock for their pregame show here on KLWN and KLWN.com. And then Crimson Blue Show takes over at 1, kickoff at 2.30 here on KLWN. The wait is over, Kansas. DraftKings Sportsbook is here, and the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. So right now, the KU line closing at three points, at least as of today. I guess that's not closing because there's still time tomorrow. Uh, the over-under is 59 you can get KU on DraftKings for Moneyline at plus 130. And how about this? If you want to play around with some of the alternate spreads, if you think KU is going to maybe lose but you don't love three, you think it'll be a close game, you can get KU plus 7.5 at minus 195. Or if you're on the other side of this, you think Kansas should be the team that's favored, why don't you get Kansas at minus three for plus 160? Any I like of those? That. I like that. Okay. Uh, what about some of the, the props for the game? Jalen Daniels, 211.5 passing yards. That that seems I don't know he did just throw for over three hundred against Duke. Iowa State's got a good that, defense. That seems a little high to me. I don't know his rushing uh, over under by the way is like sixty five I think, or is it higher? Is it even higher? Let's see. It is sixty five and a half. Daniel Highshaw and Devin Neal are both at fifty four and a half. Again, yeah. it's a good Iowa State defense. Yeah, see that's those are all interesting, but the problem is like I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a tough call. It's a tough call. Yeah, I don't love taking any of the player props in a game where the defense is really good. The one that I've kind of circled here, Lawrence Arnold, you can get his over-under for receiving yards at 33-and-a-half. I mean, that's pretty good for KU to win this game. He's probably going to get that's that. That's going to have to happen. Yep. So that would be the one that I'm kind of circling right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KLWN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KLWN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Deposit restrictions apply. Bonus issued is free bets. One boost per eligible team. 10-plus leg required for a 100% boost. Opt-in required. Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. KU takes on Iowa State on Saturday. And the matchup of the game to me, KU's elite offense versus Iowa State's really good defense. That is obvious when it sticks out, when you have two strengths going up against each other. Have we have we not put enough credence into the idea that because these are strengths for both these sides, maybe it'll actually be determined by the other end? Yeah, I think it definitely could be. I, you know, the when you we had uh, we had Brian Haney on the show, and we asked him what number Iowa State would get to offensively, to where he thought KU might 
have a chance to win. He said 21-24. I think you and I were more leaning towards like 28. So I think maybe we have a little bit more faith in KU's offense. But yeah, there's there's no question that the the kind of the headline matchup is is the fact that Iowa State has the number one scoring defense in the Big 12. They're going to be going up against the KU offense that is averaging 48 and a half points per game. That's been pretty much unstoppable. They've only stopped themselves really over the course of this season. But but on the flip side, you've got uh, on the other side. Iowa State has Hunter Decker as a talented quarterback. He's thrown five interceptions so far this season in four games, though. But they have a they have kind of a sneaky good running game also with Brock, their running back, averaging 88 yards a game. And obviously they have Xavier Hutchinson, who is, by I think, certainly their best offensive player. Uh, they have Will McDonald, defensive end on the other side, uh, who's probably their best overall player. But Hutchinson's probably one of their top three best players. So, yeah, I think there is this question of what will the Kansas defense do and how will they perform against Iowa State? Can they force some turnovers? You know, that was one of the things that hurt Iowa State against Baylor was some offensive inconsistency, and I think they had a couple turnovers against Baylor as well. So, yeah, I think that could definitely factor to the game as well because it is always one of those cases of you have the the sort of marquee matchup of strength versus strength, but then is that always what ends up determining the game, or is it often the other aspects of the game? So there's no question the KU defense is going to have to step up and maybe – in order for KU to win this game, they might have to play their best game of the season uh, just because the offense for KU might not put up as much as they have so far this season. Yeah, and that's kind of, uh, I think, to the idea of if you can – I know we asked some of these similar questions like Michael Swain and, and Brian Haney this week. If you can hold them to 28 points, if you can hold them under 30 points, if you can hold them to 24 points, then you feel really comfortable at where you're going to be at. So – I guess, can you force Hunter Deckers into some of those mistakes? He's completing over 70% of his passes. He is tied for the lead in the Big 12, though, in interceptions so far. Is that something where that means if you can get him off schedule, you can take advantage of that? I mean, all it takes is one play for a guy like yeah. Kobe Bryant to make something happen. That's all it takes. And uh, this is, go oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, this is interesting that I, I think, so KU's D-line has shown flashes, but it hasn't been super consistent with, with how good of a pass rush they've been, I think, week in, week out. Uh, obviously, Lonnie Phelps, we think of him very highly. Iowa State, by pro football focus, ranks 106th in the country in pass blocking grade. So you know what a way of, of forcing those turnovers and getting pressure get and, some, and taking hundred Deckers? Exactly. Yeah, get some pressure. Put some, put some pressure on him. And, and you're right, that that is an area where, I think you and I probably both agree that KU has, I don't know if underperformed is the right term, but they maybe haven't been as good as we hope they can be or maybe expected that they would be by this point in the season. So that's going to be very important. That's going to be very important that they're able to get some pressure. And Iowa State, they may try to play some possession in this game. They may just try to grind, grind down KU's defense and keep the offense off the field. That could be a strategy for them because they have had success running the ball. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily been their strength, but they've had success with it. And again, KU's defense, while they have been better against the run and they had a good showing against Duke, I guess we they played four games at this point. But how many? Are, I mean, are you to the point of saying that the run defense situation is fixed or it's permanently better, or is it possible that they still have a game where they struggle to stop the run? I guess I don't know where where what are you where are you at on that? I definitely think it's better than it was last year. Um, it'd almost be hard not to be. Yeah. I guess but do you, I don't, I don't, is it still a weakness? I don't think it is because, like, when I view West Virginia's running game with with having those two running backs, and I, I view Duke's running game with those big running backs, 
I don't necessarily view Iowa State's running game as like way better. You know, like maybe yeah. we'll have a conversation for this when they play like a Baylor or something, yeah. or, or a team that has been like really, really good at running the ball, like a Bijan Robinson. But I don't really have that question going into this game. Like, I think they can at least do enough. Now, are they going to completely shut them down and it's going to be one or two yards per carry? No. But if they can keep in that kind of three to four yards per carry range and, and get to enough third downs, maybe you can be opportunistic again. Maybe you can keep them out of the end zone, force some extra field goals. Maybe you can force that interception or that key sack that that changes things over for you. I just, I, I think that it's... It's impossible for me to tell what kind of a target score would be because, you know, on one hand, the way KU's scoring, even though you do have a, a good offense or, or a good defense here with Iowa State, it's like, what does that mean? Is KU going to score 38 because of that? Or does that mean Iowa State's going to limit KU to 17? You know what I mean? So yeah. this could very well be a game where the KU defense has, has to, to exactly has to kind of win you the game or it could just be a game where you make a couple stops like they've done so far against West Virginia and Duke like that's enough so I I have no idea this to me is the ultimate test of just how good is this KU offense yeah I, I agree and on the defensive side the concern for me is KU has struggled against top tier receivers so far this season they've seen really two Bryce Ford Wheaton for West Virginia, who I think had 160 yards receiving in that game, and Nathaniel Dell, who finished with like six catches for 76 yards against KU. So he he was limited a little bit more uh, in what he was done, but he was also kind of hurt in that game as well against KU. So now they're going up against Xavier Hutchinson, who I think is definitely in that same category of elite receivers. He's maybe is considered one of the best receivers in the Big 12, probably top three, certainly. So how does KU's defense handle him? What's the approach there? And will Iowa State try to force-feed him the ball? Because West Virginia definitely tried to force-feed Bryce Ford Wheaton, and, and it worked out for them. Will Iowa State have that same mentality, or will they use them more as a decoy, or what's that matchup going to look like for KU? Because to me, that that's going to be a real challenge for them in the secondary, especially if they can't get pressure on Hunter Deckers, and then that kind of compounds the issue. So that that's kind of the, the thing that I'm keeping an eye on here, just because it's, it's something that – We've seen KU struggle with so far this season, and we don't know what they're going to do in this game. Like, like the running game issue defensively, like we like you talked about, like they've shown flashes of getting success and slowing down the run. They have not shown an ability to shut down an elite receiver yet this season. That yeah, would it? So like the over under on DraftKings ninety nine and a half for uh, Xavier Hutchinson for his yards. Yeah, that's and a lot of yards. It is, but my immediate reaction is over. Yeah. Which would not be good. It would but be see, very bad. I think you can live with him getting 105 or 110 or something. Like, it's not ideal, but I think you can live with it. I, I think the situation you need to avoid here is him having a takeover game where yes. he has 200 yards. Yeah, you can't let him take over the game. Which uh, Iowa State receivers have done that in the past against KU. Hakeem Butler had a huge game against yeah. KU, whatever year. In Lawrence. Yeah, whatever year that was. I remember he made I some, great, some great, ca great catches. No, that wouldn't make sense. 2018, maybe? So, um, yeah, you, you have to avoid that. Who do you think is more likely to take over this game, Xavier Hutchinson or Lonnie Phelps? I feel like it'd be Xavier Hutchinson. I don't know. The thing about Lonnie Phelps is, obviously, he had the Tennessee Tech game where he really dominated, and he's had some success. And, he, and I go back to the Houston game, and I think this speaks a lot to the type of player Lonnie Phelps is. I go back to the Houston game. This was early in the game where... Lonnie Phelps on a hustle play had to run across the entire field to make it, and he got a tackle from behind. And that's something that you don't see very often from DNs, D tackle guys like that. 
So that that speaks a lot to the motor that Ronnie Phillips has and what he's willing to sacrifice for the team. But I, I don't I don't know if he's in position to just have an uh, a I mean, what would what would be a takeover game like multiple sacks, a forced fumble? What would you? Yeah, it's it's takeover? sort of something where it's just like you just have that feeling that like yeah. he took over the game and he was just like a wrecking ball and just ruined anything that they wanted to do offensively. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you're if you're talking statistically, that probably involves. Multiple sacks, three, four tackles for like the way that we came away from the Tennessee Tech game, where we were like he was the best player on the field. Like one yes. of those games where it was like when he was on the field against the Iowa State offense, he was the best player. Okay, yeah. The, the thing about Lonnie Phelps is, I think we mentioned this earlier in the week. He also is just really good at getting held and not getting called. I mean, he was getting bear hugged against. I think against Duke, it was Duke. Duke was bear hugging him every play and getting no calls. So, I don't know. I would lean towards Xavier Hutchinson just because, again, if he's got Kobe Bryant on him, then, you know, they could take advantage of that. And Melo Dotson, we talked about it. Melo Dotson had some plays where he played pretty good coverage but still got beat against Duke. So, that that's that's definitely an issue that I think is, is probably concerning for the defense. But, again, I think all it takes is one, one throw from Deckers or one misstep and a guy like Kobe Bryant can can completely flip the whole flip everything, right? He can. Well, to that point on that question though, like it's easier to scheme out a defensive end than it would be a receiver, I would think. I mean, I guess you could double team a receiver and whatnot, but it, it's a lot easier to be like, hey, we'll just run on the opposite side that Lonnie yeah. Phelps is. We'll put a tight end over there. Yeah, we'll have a running off. back chip him, like do all these things. Turnover battle to me is pretty crucial in this one. Like it's crucial every game, so this is a yep. little bit cliche, but also like Iowa State is tops in the Big 12 with eight takeaways on the defensive side of the ball. They're also ninth in the Big 12 in avoiding turnovers offensively. So they've given it up a lot, but they've gotten it back a lot. So if they're going to continue to give it up a lot, but KU is better and, and secure with the ball, then you eliminate any advantage or neutralizing that they have. And if KU wins a game like this in, in turnovers 2-0, like I think if either team wins the turnover battle in this one by two or more, that's a clear win to me for either of the teams. Um, but I think if it's, you know, if the turnover battle is even, then it's just back to being kind of a coin flip. Yeah, the question here, obviously, is KU fumbling the ball. They've had struggles with that, obviously, so far this season. So the question there will be, can they can they do a better job of taking care of the ball? Because the thing is, is Jalen Daniels has actually been incredibly, incredibly smart with the ball when he's had it, right? When you consider the turnovers KU has had, it's been other guys, right? It's not been Jalen Daniels. He had the one interception against Tennessee Tech, but other than that, he's been pretty much flawless passing the ball. He's been always making the right reads in terms of getting a clean handoff on a read option or getting a clean pitch or keeping it or whatever. So he's been very, very clean there. So Jalen Daniels is not who you have to worry about. It's obviously Daniel Highshaw had a couple fumbles. Devin Neal fumbled last week against Duke. So it'll be about protection. Like I'm not concerned about Jan Daniels throwing. He might throw, maybe he throws one interception, but I'm not concerned about like a multi-interception game from Jalen Daniels. I am concerned about possibly the running back struggling to hang on to the ball against Iowa State. And and I'm sure Iowa State has to be aware of, hey, this is a team in Kansas that has struggled with fumbling. So we're going to put an extra emphasis on trying to punch it out because these guys have struggled over the past couple weeks of the season with hanging on to the ball. So I'm sure that's an emphasis in the Iowa State locker room, or I, I, would, I think it would be. And on the other side, again, it comes back to, for KU, they have some guys that are opportunistic guys, Kobe Bryant being one of them, that can take advantage of, of quick decisions being made and, and whatnot. But it'll come down to the pressure. It'll come down to, can the defensive line put pressure on Deckers to, to 
either get a sack fumble or force him into, into some throws under duress to force an interception. And because the defense, I don't have, I don't think they forced a single fumble this season, have they? I mean, technically the West Virginia the, one the muff, where yeah, yeah. muff, but that's not like forcing it, so to speak. Um, I'm trying to remember. None other come off the was top of a, my head. Was there a sack fumble against Houston? I think there was. There might have been. Yeah, that sounds familiar. But like they they haven't. It's not like KU has been, been like exactly. Or, yeah. They haven't been forcing a ton of turnovers, which is like it goes both ways. On one hand, it it makes you sit there and go, oh, okay, well they're not just like a, a product of good turnover luck, which is a good thing to showing how good they've been so far this season. But also in some of these more coin flip games, you might need some of that to go your way. So it's it's kind of a, a two-sided coin there that will be interesting to see how it goes in this game, especially with the team that, like you said, like Iowa State's probably been watching on tape and they're kind of chomping at the bit to be like, hey, let's try to punch the ball out and everything like that. So that'll certainly be a key in this one. Um, third downs, this is kind of the, uh, you know, immovable object, what is it, immovable force versus unstoppable object. No, it's unstoppable object mixing an immovable wall. I don't think that's right either. What? There's no way. What do you mean? Unstoppable wall? Immovable wall. No, that's not. Unstoppable object versus (laughs) immovable wall. No way. What do you mean, no way? What do you mean, no way? That's not it. What do you mean? It's, uh... Unstoppable for oh no it's unstoppable force meets an immovable un immovable object yeah that's what it is I think that's not what wall. I said at the beginning no that's not what you said well it is unstoppable force immovable object I don't know okay. but Some, wall I mean that's the same is it is a wall different. not an object <laughs> no what do you mean no what is it an object is not a wall yeah what yeah of course it is so if a brick wall that's an object right no I don't know how do you think what is an object. We're getting how do you figure, into the weeds How do you here. figure that a brick wall is not an, a material a, an thing that can be seen and touched? There you go. So yeah, a wall. I guess it is an object. A brick wall. I just think of like an object as something that's like, hey, can you grab that object off the <laughs> the door or whatever? I don't know. Something small. I mean, it's obviously up. a very vague term. Yeah. But. Well, anyway, that is the uh, case for this one. <laughs> Iowa State is allowing opponents to convert third downs on just over 27% of the time, which is fantastic. KU's offense, though, is converting third downs on 67% of the time, which is one of the best marks in the entire country. Something's got to give there. Yeah, they've been really good on, on third down, and a lot of that has to do with the what Andy Koldick has talked about, which is when you're successful on first and second down, it puts you in, obviously, a much better position to, to be successful on third down, right? And that's kind of, I think, when you look at the sacks with Jalen Daniels only been big being sacked once this season, I think that plays a big part into it. Is when you're when it's third and five instead of third and nine, you can do a lot more. You're not just it's not just going to be a straight drop back to pass, and that could be even more important against Iowa State because a guy that's that we haven't really mentioned much so far this week leading up to this game, but somebody who could very well be a game wrecker is Will McDonald. He's an All American DN for Iowa State. He's in the top three in most of their over defensive. thirty career sacks. Yeah, yeah. In most of the, in most of their career stat statistical uh, leader <laughs> categories, whatever. For for Iowa State, he's 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 right up there. He's he's really really good, and he's a guy that we have not talked about much this week leading up to this game. But he is somebody that KU is going to have to keep an eye on, especially if they are in a third down and long situation, because he could be that kind of player. All right, he is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. David Lawrence is going to join us coming up here in about 15 minutes from right now. We'll be back after this timeout on RCST. Happy Friday. We're joined now by David Lawrence right here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You can hear DL on the call tomorrow pregame 
Uh, our show uh, for KU tailgating with Nick and Scott starts at noon to 1 o'clock at Big Mill. And then at 1 o'clock, Crimson Blue Show takes over. That leads till 2.30 with kickoff. Again, you can hear David on the action on the Jayhawk Radio Network right here on KLWN and KLWN.com. So, uh, David, it's obviously homecoming week. There's going to be a lot of former players that are in town. You guys are going to have Todd Reesing on the broadcast and everything. How much fun is it every year at homecoming, I guess, just just to catch up with some former players? Are there any common stories or, or funny things that, that you guys seem like uh, comes up every time, this time every year? Well, sure. And, you know, Derek, thanks for having me on. There's a group from Kansas City that I get to see, uh, you know, almost on a monthly basis, probably every six weeks. So, yeah, we share stories. Um, but... Everything goes better with winning, you know. It's it's just everything's better with winning. It makes our past stories sound better. It makes it makes the weather better. It it makes uh, our aches and pains better. Uh, winning uh, supersedes it all, and uh, that that's why it's been a lot of fun. Well, I asked Brian this yesterday, and I want to ask you too. I I, I know it's. It's tough to compare anyone to what Todd Reesing did at, at KU, and especially in the case of Jalen Daniels. It's only been four games this season, and there's so much longer to go. But if you had to compare and contrast Jalen and, and what he has done this year to what Todd did uh, at KU in 07 and in his career, how would you go about that? Well, I think, you know, you, you prefaced it well, you know, that it's been a, a – a shorter number of games by, by a large part, but I think the sample size is also big enough that we can determine that, that uh, J- Jalen, you know, and we hope to see him next year and who knows uh, as much as a year after that, but you take him year by year, but uh, he, he's going to be up there with Todd Reesing before he's gone. He's not the same quarterback as Todd. Uh, no two quarterbacks are the same. Todd was the shiftiest he, he was the quickest lateral mover that that I've covered and seen, really, um, in, in, you know, eyes in the side of his helmet, uh, always making someone miss. But it was really his lateral quickness. Um, Jalen's stronger, you know. He, he certainly has been called like a running back that passes. He, he wants to be a thrower first. But but he's a strong runner, uh, but but also very fast. I'm I'm thinking top end, Jalen would be faster. Quickness would go to Todd Reesing. Arm strength is pretty similar. Accuracy is pretty similar. Um, both of them confident. Um, you know, and not inside the huddle as far as the differences there. But the outcome and what we're seeing on game days is looking pretty similar as well. I I don't anticipate that to change in JD. You know, we just hope that he stays healthy. But you know, we we've played three pretty pretty good teams. You know, top fifty, maybe top forty teams that uh, give you a pretty good indication of where he's at. But we will know more. We're going to face. A defense this Saturday that I think overall is a little better, uh, not a lot, a little better 
uh, when you when you accumulate all the all the pieces, uh, and then you know it's, it's just going to go from there. You know, we'll see TCU, and then Oklahoma will, will certainly give us a um, a good chance to you know see us against the top ten team. So we'll, we'll find more and more of uh, you know pieces and reasons to continue with that conversation. But uh, but I, but I think. You know, the outcome and what we've seen so far is pretty similar. Well, you mentioned the Iowa State defense, and they're kind of unique with, with how they play. What sticks out to you about the Cyclones defense that does make them so challenging? Well, it, you know, I think what the lead returning rusher in college football, when you look at his active stats, Will McDonald, and he's off to a slow start, so he's going to want to catch up. Uh, I, I think their linebackers jump out to me. You know, uh, Orion Vance, Jerry Vaughn are very, very solid pieces. Uh, there, there's no weak links to their defense. And their secondary is the biggest, most physical I've seen thus far. It, it's, it's almost like uh, looking at linebackers out on tape and, and they get after you. So, um you know, not that we didn't face a really good defense in, in Morgantown and Houston athletically was might be superior to all of them that we've seen. So we've seen good defenses and, you know, how many conversations defensive coordinators have had around the league or around our past opponents to try to solve Jalen Daniels and Andy Kotonicki's, uh puzzle that they, they put forth. I, I know that, you know, coordinators adjust and Kotelnicki, our offensive coordinator, adjusts. And, and, you know, it's just kind of a chess game. But it's difficult, I know, uh, in getting your scout team to, to run this offense, to to show your defense a really decent look because it's just, it's just very tough to teach them. I, you know, I played at Kansas, coached at Kansas. I... You know, I remember getting ready for the wishbone, you know, and, and trying to get all those moving parts. Uh, it's tough. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going to be seeing some live ammo coming at them on Saturday that I don't think they've seen in practice. So that's that's always a positive. But, you know, Iowa State's played good teams, Baylor and Iowa, winning against Iowa. And so they're ready. They're ready for uh, – a quality offense coming at them. I, I don't think they've seen anything quite like ours. Is there is there one side of KU's offense running the ball or throwing the ball that you think could be challenged most in this game? I guess in a way of uh, turning this, like is the KU running game going to be uh, finding things more difficult to get back to that 200-yard rushing plateau where there is going to be more on Jalen's arm or vice versa where because of that good secondary it's going to be more reliant on what the running game does for, for KU to have success offensively in this game? Well, Iowa State's giving up 76 yards. We average 245. Iowa State's giving up 14 points. We average 48 points. So you just go down the line. Uh, third down conversions, 28% is what Iowa State's giving up, and we're about 67%. And it'd be higher if we weren't trying to, you know, kind of ice the game at, at the end of the last two, where we're giving up some third down. So something's got to give, right? You know, if you average them in between, you know, that, that might be uh, 
something to look at. Iowa was not a good offensive team. They are a tough Big Ten team. I get it. But they are not good offensively. They're they're very sound defensively. Um, you know, I think the first thing you'd have to do is, is get someone to whip one or offensive line, you know, and just whip them consistently. So you've got unblocked players coming. Um, but the trouble, and it's the same trouble when, when people play Todd, is Jalen and Todd, you know, make the first guy miss. And so sometimes you need, you know, two guys coming at him to corner him a little bit uh, and, and hope Jalen makes a mistake. So our offensive line is held up. You know, they get better each week. They're playing together very well. Mike Levitsky is is uh, having a, you know, if he's going to be on some all-conference all team. And uh, Dominic Pooney is uh, – you know, what a pleasant addition to Kansas. Everyone talked at the beginning of the year, but remember, I think I was the first one to tell you that, hey, watch Dominic Pooney. People are talking about him. He is a legit transfer, even though he didn't come from a big school, and he's, he is not disappointed. And, and now we have Trevor Cardell back. Uh, so our tight end group, uh, and, and, you know, they won't be compared to Iowa State's tight end group last year because, you know, probably not as much as far as NFL prospects, but I think outcome on the field and what they can do, our, our tight ends match up pretty well with Iowa State's tight ends of last year. And and then our running back room is uh, is pretty special. And then probably the most undervalued group is our wide receivers. Uh, I, I think that will change as more and more people are talking about Arnold and Grimm and Skinner and uh, a rising star in Tanaka Scott. So uh, there's really no weaknesses seen thus far in that offense. So you got to start with trying to whip them up front. Well, I'm glad you brought some of those guys up with, you know, I guess underrated heroes, I guess you could say, or unsung uh, MVPs for the team so far. And I I'm interested because every time I, I watch Jared Casey, it, it seems like he's coming up with a big block for you or a big catch or whatever it is. It, you're obviously a former offensive lineman and tight end. How much pleasure do you get watching Jared Casey do some of the dirty work on the field? You know, what I've said, and you got to be careful. I mean, I mean, Casey is not going to whip a defensive end straight ahead, you know, like the six, six five, 265-pound tight end. I mean, that's not who he is. But his ability to get in a position to make a block off the edge is the best I've seen by any tight end uh, ever. And, and he's just, he's an athlete. He was a running back in high school, and he's quick, he's low to the ground, and everyone talks about 6'6", and it's great being tall for a lot of reasons. But you know what? Getting your a lower pad level to give you leverage and getting your hips underneath someone uh, gives the advantage of actually the shorter guy. But what he does that is so special is he gets to places by pulling up underneath the defensive end to the linebacker, but he gets in a position to block someone, and he blocks people in space. He blocks very good athletes like corners and safeties in space 
which is so difficult to do. And that's what makes him so special. And then, hey, let's not cut it off there. Mason Fairchild does a great job as well. And he is more of that prototypical um, big tight end at 6'5", 261 pounds. We're talking with David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the, the defense for KU, uh, they obviously had the slow start against West Virginia, slow start against Houston, start a little faster against Duke, and right now they're you know they rank toward the bottom of the league in terms of the yards and and the points and stuff like that. But when you watch this team, does it feel like they're they're maybe closer than you would think to flipping the switch of going from what's been a opportunistic defense to maybe just a good defense? better and better each week um, and yeah they have a ways to go but I, I love what Lonnie Phelps is doing you know I complain about him getting held a lot but he got his two holding calls just last week that's a stat we should really put out there because that just gives the defense gives us 20 yards um, Sam Burt is is so strong in being able to read hats and fill and plug in um, the, the holes that he needs to to be gap sound. Caleb Sampson is is has a very solid year, playing much better than in years past. Caleb Taylor, Jeremy Robinson has been on a phenomenal role. I mean, our defensive ends um, with Phelps and Hatcher, Lee and, and Robinson just really stand out to me, as well as the you know uh, inside with Taylor and Eddie Wilson coming up big so we've got tremendous depth inside the linebacker room is way deeper way better than last year but Craig Young gets better and better Barry Hill the most improved man as far as this year to last year and then a guy that I've noticed in in practice a lot as good a leader as as what I can remember it, it not just being vocal but but holding people accountable and uh, I've, I've encountered just many times on the sideline that, you know, he'll pull someone over on the defense and, you know, quiz them about what's going on. Uh, but, but his leadership just really jumps out. And then, you know, the, the back end with, you know, the transfers and Grant and Gervin uh, certainly has showed up. But, Mellow, you know, the three sophomores, they all came in. Les Miles got them in there because they're from the South. And the Burroughs, Bryant, and Dotson um, are very, very talented. And uh, they just get better and better. And now people are trying to stay away from Kobe. But, you know, Mellow's uh, tough to go against on the other side. So it really doesn't help them much. And, and yes, they need to get better, but I feel that they are in the process of doing that and will continue to do so. I, I made this comparison earlier on, on one of the shows about uh, how I feel like Kobe Bryant is kind of like the, the big play guy, the opportunist, like we've seen in you know some KU basketball pasts where maybe one of the guards gets a bunch of steals, but you have somebody else who's more of the, like Devon Dotson got a bunch of steals, but Marcus Garrett was more of the lockdown defender, whereas Romello Dotson's maybe more of like the sound guy that Kobe Bryant's going to make the game-changing play. But uh, as far as the uh, Iowa State matchup for Saturday, what sticks out to you about the Cyclones' offense against the KU defense? You know, they're... They're a solid group, uh, but to say that they've replaced the four NFL guys with people 
you know, that good would, would be a stretch. Uh, you just can't do that. But, uh, you know, they're, they're solid. Uh, they've got a very good running back. I think Cartavius has been hurt, but he, he should be back. Uh, Jarrell Brock is a solid runner. You know, Decker's completion percentage jumps out at you. He's, he's 63%. I mean, that's very, very good. Offensive line, most people are returning. Their center's really good. Um, their tight end group is, you know, not the, the NFL prospects of the past, but one of them is from my hometown down in Labette County in Dean, and then Hanukkah is from Topeka. So some Kansas guys. And Xavier Hutchison is their star. So uh, that that's where everyone's going to be looking on third down. Look for number eight. He is David Lawrence. Again, you can hear him on the call tomorrow on the Jayhawk Radio Network. Kickoff at 2.30. Pre-game with the Crimson Blue Show starts at 1 o'clock here on KLWN, KLWN.com. David, appreciate the time as always. Derek, it's always a pleasure to be on with you. I look forward to seeing you. That was David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Again, you can go on out to Big Mill on the corner of 9th and Mississippi tomorrow before the game. Kiss Crew is going to be there from noon to 2 o'clock with KU football tickets, home field apparel shirts, extra Kiss and KLWN shirts with our Jayhawks love football too. We're going to have some gift cards to give away, koozies, all sorts of free stuff. So why would you not stop by? It's on your way into the stadium. You can spin the prize wheel, keep moving on with your day, or you can stop by Big Mill because – it is elite pizza. Best pizza in town in Lawrence with the Detroit-style pizza. They've got great conies, burgers. You can get the fries with their great garlic aioli sauce. The uh, grilled wings are really good as well. Everything you get there is great. They have cocktails. You can get a Bloody Mary if you're there in the morning. You can get a beer. You can watch the game inside. They've got all sorts of TVs by the bar and just around the restaurant. You can watch the game outside. They've got outdoor TVs. You can hear the roar of the stadium if you're sitting outside. Enjoy all that stuff. So swing by Big Mail tomorrow before the game. You can also hear the KU Tailgating Show with Nick and Scott from noon to one. Crimson Blue Show starts at one o'clock with BMAC and DL. That goes till 2.30 with kickoff. Brian Haney, DL on the call of that one. You can hear it right here at FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, and KLWN.com. One hour down, two to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got some game picks to get to. Our uh, KU Club interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with the KU Men's Golf Club. We've got Florida Man Mad Lib Special Friday Edition coming in the 5 o'clock hour. But coming up on the other side, let's get to our preview of the Chiefs-Buccaneers game for Sunday Night Football. That coming up next. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. 4 o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got a KU Club interview brought to you by Johnny's Tavern with Taylor Cerevich of the KU Golf Club coming up in just a little. We've got some more game picks, sports stock market, and Florida Man Mad Libs on a Friday edition to send you into the weekend here coming up shortly here. The Chiefs take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Before we get into that, looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. What is Venue 1235? It's a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered studio. So the Chiefs lose last week to the Colts. Patrick Mahomes didn't have his best game, though. He was on the, the very low list of things that caused the, the loss. And also if like Justin Watson makes that diving grab or Travis Kelsey makes the touchdown, um, then it's even less talked about, or if they kick those field goals or whatever, like it, it's not. But it wasn't like a pristine Patrick Mahomes game. You have that. You have the fact that they lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. 
You have this Kansas City star like kind of hit piece coming out against him. Are we going to get Inferno mode, um, screw everyone, Patrick Mahomes this week? If we do, that would be awesome. Yeah. I haven't seen like what the weather's supposed to be like in Tampa. I don't know if that's if it's going to be like with the hurricane situation. If it's going to be affecting the game. I know there's been obviously there was a lot of discussion around where the game was going to be played earlier in the week, and then it came out uh, yesterday. I think they officially announced that it was going to be in Tampa. So. I don't know how much that might affect the game, but but yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, listen, he's, he's a passionate guy. He clearly cares a lot about, obviously, what's happening on the field and everything, and, and I didn't even bother reading the Kansas City Star piece because I just don't care. No, I didn't uh, either. <laughs> so, you know, if, if, that's what, if that's their opinion, then whatever. I'm not going to bother even really indulging it. Uh, so, well, by the way, just so people know what we're talking about, because there might be some people who are like, what, what are you talking about here? There was a, a piece in the Kansas City Star as an opinion or, or an op-ed or whatever, uh, and, and here's just the headline for it, which I don't even want to give a click to this. He's a great quarterback, <laughs> sure, but he only cares about how he looks, not his team. So, yeah, not I, great. Yeah, I, I, and to be clear, this isn't like a Jesse Newell thing. Like, Jesse's great, and he would not write something like this. This is something else. So, anyway. Yeah, uh, I don't fully understand that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, I, I think this is going to be an interesting game, obviously, for the Chiefs. And this is probably a game that the Chiefs have had circled. Uh, because of the history now that has kind of become this sort of like mini rivalry, even further going back with Tom Brady when he was with the Patriots. So this is going to be an interesting game. And I, I don't know if you saw, but the Bucks also, their D-line, like Shaq Barrett was like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs offensive line is the same. Like, even though it's like totally different, like the Chiefs have literally spent the past like year and a half heavily investing in the offensive line. So well, it hasn't looked great this year. It hasn't, which is a bit concerning. And uh, there are a lot of concerns for this game, I think, if you're the Chiefs. Because, like I said, if the weather does affect the game... I have the weather forecast here, by okay. the way. What's, I've, I don't know what it's going to be. Is it, is it going to so, be... It says... Well, I guess it's a night game. So uh, I, I guess I should go off the, the night forecast here. So Sunday night, which I don't know what they consider night. Is it just when the sun goes down, I guess? Uh, 66 <laughs> degrees, 5% precipitation... Okay. Seven mile per hour wind. So it's actually okay. going to be like pretty nice weather. Okay. I didn't know mm-hmm. what the hurricane situation was. Yeah. If it would was. be like 40 mile per hour wind, <laughs> you can't pass the ball. Yeah. Okay. So that changes things a little bit, I guess. But but even still, like if you look at this game on paper, the Bucks have the better defense. They have the better running game. They've. Uh, I know they have a lot of injuries at receivers, so that that could be a question. But the Chiefs also have some question marks at receiver as well. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, for the Chiefs, this this I could see this easily being a game where the Chiefs bounce back and actually just blow out the Bucks, or I could also easily see it, it being a game where it's just a continuing of the Colts game, where they just kind of fall even more deeper into struggles. Like honestly, that's kind of how I view this game. I, I don't think it's going to be a close game. Actually, I think either it's going to be the Chiefs just come out and it is Patrick Mahomes just scorched earth, or <laughs> or they continue to flounder and the Bucks, you know, just kind of dominate them. I could see that going really either one of those ways. Yeah, what's scary is that, I mean, the Bucks defense so far has been really good this season. We already knew they had a lot of talent. Like, that might be, I yep. don't know, what, a top five defense in the NFL? Is that? I think I easily, yeah. yeah. So they've been really good on, on that end. And, and with some of the struggles the, the defensive or the offensive line has had for the Chiefs and with not having, you know, all this continuity with Mahomes and the receivers and also now, like, Throughout the week, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, or Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman were either limited at practice or missing practices. So, like, that's all not great in this game that if this does come down, can the Chiefs run the ball? Well, so far they have not been able to run the ball, yeah. and why would that change against a really good Buccaneers defense? So that is scary that this could be a lower-scoring game. Um, I wonder if this is going to be a game that, like, you should just pound the over, or, or the under, I'm sorry. So the under 
is, I believe it's under 46 points, which doesn't sound like a lot for a Chiefs game, especially against <laughs> Tom Brady, right? I mean, yeah. that'd be, what, 26 to 21, you're over 27, 24. Like, there's a lot of easy ways to get there. But the the Buccaneers' offense hasn't been great so far this season, too. No, it's been uh, bad. No, exactly. So, like, they, they haven't been putting up big point totals. They just had 12 against Green Bay, who's got a good defense. They had, I think, 19 against Dallas, who does have pretty good defense. Like, they've got some good pieces on that end. Um, so I, but I don't know what to expect because last week they were just completely out of receivers. Mike Evans is back this week. I don't know what the case is going to be for Chris Godwin and for Julio Jones, but they're kind of beat up at receiver too. So maybe this is going to be kind of a lower scoring game. If that's the case, the problem is Bucks have the better running game. Bucks have the better defense. Yeah. And actually it's funny. You were talking about Mahomes going kind of scorched earth. This could also be like Tom Brady's scorched earth game. Tom Brady's been throwing iPads. He's been getting, or I guess tablets, excuse yeah. me, Microsoft tablets. Sorry, NFL. <laughs> You're getting sued for that. <laughs> I, I sincerely apologize, NFL. Microsoft, Microsoft tablets. But he's been throwing them. He's been clearly frustrated, clearly angry. Like, this could easily be, uh, this is kind of an interesting storyline in the sense of what you just brought up is like, you've got two quarterbacks who are really struggling, and they're both elite, obviously, and either one of them, I feel like, could maybe just kind of go off. Do we get a Justin Watson revenge game for former Tampa Bay Buck? Okay. Didn't really get on the field a ton. Was more of a special teams player. Now he's with the Chiefs. Now that I'm talking this out, he, I, I mean, think he's I'm going to, have to step up. Right? I, I mean, yeah, you're right. With with some of the injuries at, at the Chiefs for receivers and everything, yeah. I am going to peruse real quick what the uh, <laughs> anytime touchdown is for Justin Watson because I think I want to get a part of this. Okay. Yeah, I could get on board with that. And I mean, you're right. I mean, and also. This or is wait, also, what about a revenge game for Ronald Jones? I don't even know if he'll be active, but hypothetically. I, I, I haven't even thought about Ronald Jones in like three weeks. Which is <laughs> fair because, honest. I mean, if you're not be able to be active on a team that hasn't been able to run the ball. But also, do you buy into any of this stuff about, you know, because the Chiefs obviously have not been able to run the ball. The, no. There has been a big amount of blame for it specifically on the running backs because yes. you look at some of the running run blocking grades like as much as the offensive line has struggled a lot of it has been two things pass blocking and then the short yardage plays but in terms of just like first and 10 second and six like if we're running the ball they've graded well but they haven't seen a lot of the results running the ball would you buy into the fact that maybe Ronald Jones for whatever reason could be a better fit maybe I I mean there are a lot of questions for the Chiefs you got Ronald Jones you got Pacheco you've got the where's Sky Moore discourse like what's up with that you know I mean he muffed a punt last week obviously but like why isn't he getting a chance at receiver you've got those kinds of questions about the Chiefs and and yeah I don't know I mean it's crazy how quickly the the discussion has turned from you know the Chiefs look like an unstoppable machine on offense in preseason and even in week one week two or even in week one and against the Chargers, they struggled a bit, but you know it was the Chargers. They were pretty good defense, and then obviously they they flounder against the Colts. And now we've done a complete 180 of like the Chiefs' offenses to where now the discussion is well, they're in complete disarray. There's a rift <laughs> between the enemy and Mahomes. Like how it's crazy how quickly that narrative has changed uh, for the Chiefs, and and I feel like it it could quickly change again, right? Like what if they go off and they do put up 35 points against the Bucks or something, and then all of a sudden we're right back to oh the Chiefs are fine. So you know it's. It is one of those things, I guess, that's with Mahomes, when you have an elite quarterback, and I think the Packers have experienced this with Aaron Rodgers, where you do get kind of this whiplash effect of like week to week where things don't go your things don't go right. There's like some people yelling at each other on the sideline, whatever. There's a rip between Mahomes and the enemy or, or you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy or whatever, right? Like when you have an elite quarterback, I feel like this kind of happens where if you're struggling, it kind of does create that sort of like 
whoa, week to yeah. week, like what's, you know, if if they're struggling or if they're playing. Because we can't like, rationalize that sometimes just other teams have good game plans <laughs> or you had a bad game. We have to be like, oh, no. Uh, you know, the sky is falling. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, the Chiefs are unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, by the way, Justin Watson on DraftKings, you can get him at plus 425 for any time touchdown. That's Buying really pretty good it? because you figure he's going to be playing maybe a bit more with some of the question marks around the other Chiefs receivers. I, I like it. I mean, he, he had the touchdown against the Chargers. He would have had that big yeah. grab against yeah. the Colts. So, I don't know. I, I can get on board Supposedly with that. Supposedly Mahomes really likes him. Yeah. I don't think you can get this bet, but um, if you can get a bet on over under .5 Chris Jones penalties, <laughs> I should say penalties of the 15-yard variety, would you take it? I don't know because we've had we talked about the budding heads of Mahomes and and Brady, but it's really Chris Jones versus yes. Tom Brady. That's the real. Do rivalry. they always get it every time they play? They're like yelling at each other. Well, There'll be either a roughing the passer or Tom Brady. I think I called for a penalty once for like yeah. yelling at Chris Jones. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like Tom Brady. I don't really feel like has always been known as to be like that kind of guy. But since he's been with the Bucks, especially like the last couple seasons, he's kind of turned into like that trash talker guy. You know, maybe he's like. Maybe it's like a disrespect thing where he's like, you know, I'm I've won eight billion Super Bowls, you know, respect me, whatever. But, but yeah, that is the real rivalry. So I don't know if Chris Jones really hammers him on a play or something, you know, and they they get into it. But uh, yeah, that would be interesting. And and for Chris Jones, uh, I thought he handled the aftermath of the penalty against the Colts really pretty well. He was like, you know, hey, you know, that, that's on me. I got to be better. You know, even even if you know, regardless of what was said or if it was a you know the quote unquote correct call or not, I guess I thought he handled it pretty well, which is which was really nice to see. And so, I don't know, maybe he might be more subdued because of that. Okay, so who has to, if I take out Patrick Mahomes, because that's obviously the given, Okay, who has to play well for the Chiefs to win this game? I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire has to play well. Or, I guess, the running backs collectively. Well, maybe it's if it's Pacheco or, or whatever. Because, like we discussed, the Chiefs, at the end of the day, you absolutely have to get some production from a running game. Like, seven carries for zero yards is absolutely unacceptable. I don't care if you had seven touchdowns on those seven carries. Like, zero yards. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would care if it was seven okay, touchdowns. Okay, fine. okay, okay, my bad. <laughs> but no, no, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but that, that's just, that's unacceptable. So, I don't know, you know, obviously if it's the offensive line or if it's Clyde or whatever, like, there has to be production from the running backs on the ground in this game, I think, for the Chiefs to, to really have a chance. Like, it, it doesn't have to be, again... It doesn't have to be elite-level production, but they've got to get something from the ground game, especially in early downs, because otherwise you might have a repeat of the Super Bowl where Mahomes is running around for his life all game. And even though the Chiefs' offensive line is supposed to be improved, they've struggled, so the running game has to do something. Something. Literally anything. Yeah. The bar is very low for success for the running game, I would say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, if if I want to go with someone else just to, to give a different answer, like somebody has to step up at receiver. I don't know who it is. It's either Marquez Valdez Scantling catching like a deep ball or Juju making because I I saw this um you know uh, it seems like a lot of teams are playing the Chiefs more man to man this year because they don't maybe have that that big game breaker so somebody just besides Travis Kelsey is going to have to beat man to man coverage yeah yes, win a exactly um if you want. I'd be fine if you wanted to add in like a Nick Bolton or yeah, a. I was going to suggest Nick Bolton. Yeah. yeah, or Chris Jones, even, you know, have a revenge game or, or somebody to have like a sack or two on, on uh, Tom Brady, Carlos Dunlap, whoever, uh, which we really saw him kind of come alive against the Colts game. Um, so 
Those would be the guys that I'd point to, but I do agree with you. Like, you have to get something yes. from the running game. And, and again, the bar is very low. Yes. <laughs> like, like, yeah, you don't have to have be... 200 rushing yards, exactly. you know? Exactly. The bar is very low for success for the ground game. But, yeah, I they've got to get something. And, and you know, Mahomes can point from the backfield all he wants to the holes. Mahomes, he's in front of you. He can't see you. <laughs> that makes <laughs> me laugh every time. Uh, maybe they'll, uh, I don't know, figure out a way for – a play where Patrick Holmes gives the handoff and he just like tells him as he hands it <laughs> off. Like, run this way. Uh, all right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our Chiefs Bucks preview. We're going to pick the game officially as part of our game picks coming up here shortly. But coming up next, Taylor Sarovich of the KU Golf Club joins us. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back in. Our KU Club interviews brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. You can stop on by and get some of their great food or drink at Johnny's. And for this week, we have the KU Club golf team as the weather's starting to, to cool off into the fall and everything. Taylor Sarovich joins us now from the KU Club golf team. So uh, as far as joining the team and whatnot, is that something, are there tryouts? Is it just anybody can come along and join? How does that all work? Yeah, thanks for having me, first of all, Derek. Yeah, um, yeah so the nice part about the, the club sports, um, at least golf, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of KU, is um, anybody can join. Uh, it's KU Club Golf. Um, it's both men and women. We both uh, we we suit to any any golfer really. The nice part is um, we kind of have the competitive side of club golf, and then we also have the non-competitive. So we do the the whole semester worth of practices, um, and then we do the three regional tournaments. So kind of caters to any any player. Um, we have those practices where we get to just really meet people, spend time with the membership. Um, practice, help some people out if they're if they're beginners, new to golf, um, and then we have those three regional tournaments each semester where um, the guys who are really players, you know, the guys who really want want to play, want to continue to compete after high school, get to uh, have that opportunity. So it it really is nice. It's um, it's a good operation that we have, and it allows f- for really any kind of player to to have a space. So what year in school are you, and what, what kind of got you into the KU club golf team? What's kind of your background with golf? Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I joined ever since coming to KU, and uh, this is I'm a senior now, so this is my, my final run. Um, I've been the president in the past five semesters, so almost three-fourths of my career at KU. Um, I guess I just I was looking for – I didn't really have many – club opportunities for football. I played football growing up, every other sport growing up. Um, and then I had an injury uh, halfway through my high school career. And I thought, hey, you know, I've caddied. I was an Evan Scholar. Um, I am an Evan Scholar at KU. So spent 10 years around golf growing up every summer, 6 a.m., waking up at the crack of dawn. I thought, hey, man, I might as well give this golf thing a shot. Um, I've been around it so much. I can I can kind of fabricate a swing. Um, yeah, so I put some time into it my senior year of high school. Um yeah, it it produced a good regional score. I shot seventy five. Um, after trying out with one hundred and eleven, my coach was like, "Oh my god, you're the most improved player <laughs> that I've coached by far." So I was like, "Okay, maybe this golf thing could be fruitful." So uh, you know, as I got the Evans scholarship to KU and uh, made the the eight hour trek from Chicago, I was like, "Hey, I I, I want to continue with this." And so I sought out, like any other student would, um, how can I continue with this? And uh, got in touch with the current president and just kind of played as a member on the team. And then once he, you know, was a senior and had to leave, he was like, hey, Taylor, like, can we talk? And I was like, yeah, sure. What about? And he was like, hey, man, you know, 
not only you're a good player, but I think you could really be, um, you know, a, a good leader for this team. And uh, and I don't really want to leave the the whole operation behind to somebody who I don't feel comfortable with. So uh, would you be that person? I was like, yeah, certainly, I'd love to be. So ever since then, I've really just kind of um, taken into that role and 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 really liked it too. It's helped me. Um, with my own game, but also with my, my leadership in other ways. That's awesome. So when people approach you and they ask for, for tips, either they're, you know, novices with golf or, or they just need, you know, something uh, worked on with their swing, What do you, do you have any tips for training or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's so funny because, I mean, like I said, I, I caddy 10 years every summer for the past, you know, decade. So I've seen every golfer you can imagine. I mean, I've seen – like, you know, somebody who's came out for their first time and played a country club course to uh, to guys who have, you know, constantly won their 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 club champions every single year um, at their at their respective clubs. So it's really nice to be able to apply kind of just what I've seen generally throughout, you know, nearly 10,000 golf swings to to somebody who is asking a question. Um, so I definitely can aid, but oftentimes the aid is uh, – is maybe um, how do you say like un unintelligible to the golfer because mm-hmm. uh, most of the time you know the aid that I'm giving is is a little bit more technical than like hey just keep your head still right. <laughs> you know because everybody needs to keep their head still in the golf swing but um, you know it's like hey you know if you're if you're turning your back to the target and you're pulling down too quick then you got to let those hands release before those hips so it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to to implement in that moment, but, um, I definitely still try to give small aid things that are like, Hey, this is what you should feel. Um, and I think that's the most important for people who don't really have a good sense of their swing yet. Um, just letting them know this is what you should feel in the golf swing rather than, Hey, you know, this is how you need to operate (laughs) because oftentimes, um, if you don't have the feel down first, you won't be able to mimic that motion. As far as for for players wanting to join, is it is it too late in the year? Can people just join whenever? When when is that kind of uh, deadline? Yeah. So the uh, the only thing is, you know, I would say if you're looking to be that competitive player, um, you still have time because we haven't started any of our regional tournaments yet. Our first regional tournament is um, October twenty third, that weekend of. So you still have time if you were. You know, a transfer school or you just were at KU and you didn't know about club golf and you're a really competitive player. Uh, nice nice part is you still have time there for the, just the common member who wants to just come to practices, meet people, you know, get the club golf polo, wear it, um, you know, just spend some time hitting balls, maybe learn a few things how they can. I would say you're not going to gain too much now just because your membership due isn't really going to be as – it's not going to go towards as much at this point. We're already maybe five, it'll be our fifth practice this week. So um, I would say the nice part is it runs every semester. So if you had interest, email however you'd like to go about it. Um, but that would probably be most be- best set up the following in the spring. And so you have competitions starting up in October here. What goes into the different competitions? Is it individual stuff or is it team-based? Yeah, so um, it is, it's it's individual based by score, but um, we travel as a team. So eight guys will go. They take the five best scores of the team. So hopefully 
as in past, we've we've won our region every year. So that means we'll play, you know, Northwest Missouri State, Mizzou, Mo State, all these other kind of what they call the central region schools. That's our region. Um, and so we'll compete in those regionals against these regional other schools. You take your five best scores both Saturday, Sunday, and you total them up. Usually you're anywhere in a range from like 370 to 395, and that's your total score. Um Basically, your total score in comparison to the other teams is how you decide who's the regional winner of that tournament. So um, it is it is individual based because your score out there matters. However, if you if you think about, you know, the the wanting to win the regional, um, you need five good scores. So that's kind of how regional shake out. Um, I was fortunate enough this last year to be what they call the regional ambassador. So. The NCCGA, National Collegiate Club Golf Association, is the one who puts on all of these tournaments. Um, they decide amongst the regions who they want to coordinate the tournaments, who they want to be the scorecard, you know, scorecard keeper, communications with the golf course, how they want the tournament tee set up, um, who they have the, inputting the scoring after the rounds, who is giving the awards after the tournament's ending, all of those things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be that person for our region this past semester. Um, and so that that's beneficial because it allows you to kind of manipulate pairings a little bit more too and, and give your guys kind of maybe the earlier tee times or, or certain little things. So um, that was that was really cool, and, and I, think that, I think that part of the club golf um, aspect, the tournaments really for the competitive players is, is the best part, um, and I think that most of our guys would say the same. Uh, where do you guys get to play in Lawrence, and uh, do you have a favorite course that you've gotten to play as part of one of these tournaments? Yeah, so unfortunately, the uh, the NCCGA, since we are located in the central region, we, we have to cater to all these other golf teams. So they're not giving us all three regional tournaments you know, near us. Um, so this year we'll have St. Louis, Columbia, Missouri, and then one at Shoal Creek in Kansas City. So that's that's probably our closest um, home tournament that we've had in all the years that I've been playing, four years. So um, so that, that that goes for tournaments. But casual play, I would say um, Lawrence isn't the greatest golf community in all of all of the states. I mean, yeah, I, like where do you guys practice? Yeah, yeah, we practice at uh, Eagle Bend mostly just because they do have a, a good range for us, and that's normally where we get most of our work in, range and short work. However, um, we have we – have, uh, kind of sealed a good deal with Greg over at Twin Oaks off K-10. Um, it's a small golf complex, but they have a nice short course and, uh, and a range also. So if we're not able for some reason to go over to Eagle Bend, um, normally that's our, our good second option. Uh, the Orchards executive on Bob's Billings also is kind of like a, if we want our guys to go out there and play, we're tired of the range. Everybody's been ranged out. Um, we'll go play that executive course. And, and it's it's better practice than you think, even though it's um, – it's yeah, there's some tough holes. Yeah, yeah, it's not pristine, but it's it's definitely tricky. It makes you keep the ball in play, and you know, at the end of the day, golf is uh, controlling your golf ball. Yeah. Uh, so, as far as how people can kind of support the program or help you guys out, is there anything that you guys do from fundraisers, accepting donations, selling gear, anything like that? Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, we don't really sell much club golf gear. Um, We'll maybe have a dozen polos up for for extra for sale, um, and normally that's just like, hey, you know, do we have any guys on the team whose dad wants one, or or any extended family member who's really interested, or do you have a buddy in like whatever here that wants one? So, gear's not really our way, but um, 
We've been lucky enough this year to partner up with KU Endowment. They have a Launch KU, which is basically a fundraising platform through KU Endowment. Um, this is really important because each year we always struggle. After winning our regional, we tend to uh, we tend to struggle with funding for that national tournament. So, like I said earlier, uh, South Carolina was one of our destinations, and and I mean that's a trek. That is a trek, and that goes into uh, a lot goes into that. So you know, talking tournament fees for each of the players, lodging, transportation, you know, food and meals, all that stuff. It's it's a pretty penny to to pay, and um, we really don't want to have that burden fall just directly on the player. Um, so the nice part is we were able to partner with Launch KU this year. So they have uh, currently through Launch KU, KU Endowment, they have a page for our, our national trip to Las Vegas this year. Um, that was kind of more of a preemptive thing, uh, proactive preemptive thing, because we obviously haven't played any of our regional tournaments yet. So we don't know whether we're going to win our region and get that invitation to the national tournament. However, based on past performances um we're just we're hoping we do the same and that way we've acted proactively enough to where now we have people who are aware there's this fundraising platform ku endowment has this kind of in their newsletter and in other places where people who are you know in the place to support us can support us and they have that um they have that kind of more ku attached opportunity rather than just like say a gofundme or us reaching out to family or, or whoever else on behalf of ourselves um, so if you guys really are interested, we are we are seeking donations, um, and they would be greatly appreciated uh, in any format that that anybody could give. Uh, he's Taylor Sarovich, the club president for the uh, KU club golf team. Taylor, I appreciate you coming in today and sharing some info. Awesome, thank you, Derek. Appreciate you having me. All right, that is our KU club interview with the KU golf club, brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM one hundred one seven and thirteen twenty KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, Sports Stock Market and Florida Man Mad Libs. But it is that time on a Friday to get to our weekly game picks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Hasn't been uh, super fruitful for either me or Nick Dude, so we, far. We suck. Yeah. If you're fading us, you're really happy. Uh, Nick is 16 and 24, 19 and 28 if you include the locks. I am 18 and 22. Or 21 and 26, if you include the locks. Uh, we'll start in college football, where you are 10 and 15, 2 and 3 last week. I'm 12 and 13, 2 and 3 last week as well. First up is number 7, Kentucky, at number 14, Ole Miss. And Ole Miss has given up 7 points. Yeah, 7 is, is pretty high for me. I think Ole Miss is going to win this game, but I don't know that they're going to win by 7. So that's why I'm, I'm riding with Kentucky here. I think Kentucky will cover the plus 7, but I don't know that they'll win. I think Ole Miss will win, although... I don't know if you saw, but Lane, he he was upset with the atmosphere at uh, at Ole Miss. He had a, during one of his press conferences earlier this week. He was talking about how it's like a high school out there for the for them. So which is I think weird because that's usually like a very well, big home. I think field what he, I think what he was saying is like they do all the crazy tailgating and stuff, and then nobody makes it into the stadium. <laughs> is what he was. I think I think that's what he was getting at. I'm going to go Kentucky here as well. Uh, Will Levis has been pretty good to start the season. They're, they're good running back. Rodriguez is back from suspension. Um, I, I think that'll certainly uh, help things here for Kentucky in this game. And, and I don't think this is a seven-point game. I, I could see Ole Miss winning the game, but I think it's going to be played uh, a little bit closer than that. Uh, next up, number two Alabama is giving up 17 points. They're at number 20 Arkansas. All right, so this is a just I'm angry at Arkansas game for losing last week, and I think Bama's just going to blow them out. Bama, okay, 
Bama is, they've kind of been sliding under the radar a little bit, I feel like, these past couple weeks. They haven't really played anybody really good, but they've obviously still been dominating. Now Georgia's like kind of overtaking them, right? I think this is going to be a statement game from Bama. I think they're just going to blow their doors off. I'm taking Bama to cover the minus 17. It's a high number, but Bama gets it done. I'm going to go with Arkansas on this one. I do think they'll have a bit of a bounce back off the Texas A&M game. I, I do like the quarterback, Jefferson. They were close last year. They played them really close. I think it ended up being a seven-point game for, for Alabama at the end. Uh, playing at home, juiced-up crowd. I, I think Arkansas can keep it a little bit close. I Alabama's still a really good team. Like, Don't get me wrong. I, I still think they'll be a playoff team. I still think they're going to make the national title game. I have Georgia winning it all right now. Uh, but I don't think this is the Alabama of old where they're basically just beating everybody by 21, 30 points. Like we saw in the Texas game. It's a close game. So I, I think Arkansas can cover the uh, 17 here. Number nine, Oklahoma State is at number 16, Baylor. The Bears are giving up two and a half. I'm going with Baylor here. Oklahoma State hasn't played anybody. Baylor coming off a win against Iowa State. I think Baylor I think Baylor gets it done. I think I still think they're one of the maybe the best or second best team in the conference behind Oklahoma. They're the most physical team in the conference. Oklahoma State hasn't been challenged. They're going to get challenged in this game, and I think Baylor will find a way to win. I agree with you. I'm going with the Bears. I like their defense. This is a rematch of the Big 12 title game. The The one thing here is that Oklahoma State's just a total unknown because, like yes. you said, they haven't been tested. So, like, we're going to learn a lot. If Oklahoma State wins this game at Baylor, we might be starting to talk about, okay, maybe Oklahoma State is the clear best team in the Big 12. Maybe they can be a, a one or no loss team and make the playoff. But until that happens, I'm going to ride with Baylor. We just know more about them, and, and I do like the construction of the team and what Dave Aranda is doing uh, down in Waco. Number 22, Wake Forest, is at number 23, Florida State. The Seminoles are giving up six and a half. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by the line here because Wake Forest obviously just took Clemson to overtime. So I don't know if that speaks more to how Vegas thinks Florida State is or maybe they don't respect Clemson as much. Because Wake Forest looked looked really good against Clemson. Their defense obviously is not that good, but the the offense did its part. So I'm going to go with Wake Forest here. I think if anything else, Wake Forest might not win the game, but I think they'll keep it close to six and a half. I totally agree with everything there. This would be one that I would be eyeing the over on the game. Two really good offenses, two defenses that have shown a little bit of weakness uh, at, at times this year. Um, who knows? Maybe Florida State's back, but I, I do think Wake Forest is is going to keep this close. Sam Hartman, the quarterback for Wake Forest, he's gutsy. He's really good, and they have that really cool, like, kind of slow mesh read kind of offense that's really tough to stop. So I, I think Wake Forest keeps it close as well. Uh, sticking in the ACC, this is where college game day is. Number 10, NC State, at number 5, Clemson. The Tigers are giving up seven points. Ah, uh, yes, the fraudulent college game day at, <laughs> Cle at Clemson for a top 10 matchup. Why would they ever go to number 5, number 10, Derek? Why? Why would they do that? I'm going to go with Clemson. NC State's kind of in the same boat as Oklahoma State, I think. they I don't know how good they are truly. Um, you know, they barely beat ECU. They looked, they looked a lot better against Texas Tech. Well, I think that was a pretty good win for them. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. So I'm, I'm buying Clemson here. Minus seven. The thing is with Clemson, I, I'm skeptical of the line, but I think they will get it done. I think their defense is probably going to step up after – Really a bad showing its way against a good Wake Forest team, but uh, I'm going to go with Clemson here. Yeah, I think last week was maybe a, a breakout game for DJU in that you know it. I don't know. He he had to kind of step up and he did, and I think that's going to lead to a lot of confidence for Clemson here. I think NC State. We talked about it earlier this week. If you had to pick a top ten team to finish unranked or something like, they'd be kind of near the top of the list there, and it's not just because they are the last top ten team, but <laughs> you look at the schedule and also what they've done so far. Okay, kind of a 
a, a very close win that they were fortunate to win, probably shouldn't have against East Carolina. Yeah, they they had a, East Carolina missed an extra point, I think. Yeah, they missed a they short missed field an goal. extra point and they missed a short field goal. Yeah, um, they had the Texas Tech win, which wasn't like an illustrious blowout or anything, and you know that's fine. Uh, I just I, I think Clemson, especially after last year losing to NC State, I think they could bury them in this game. I could see this being a game that's like thirty-eight to seventeen or something like that. So I'm going to go with Clemson there. Uh, on to the lock of the week. You're just one and three on your locks in college football. Yeah, I suck got? in college football. Uh, this week I'm going with Oregon State plus ten and a half at Utah. I was a bit surprised that the line was that high. That's why I'm going with it as the lock because Oregon State obviously played USC very close last week. And Oregon State is a team that definitely has something to prove. I mean, they're somebody that I know you like them a lot, and other people have liked liked them a lot too. But they haven't. They 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 still need that kind of statement win for the season. I don't. I'm not saying they're going to win at Utah, but ten and a half is a lot, and I think they will definitely cover that. You know, I love Oregon State. I think I'd be on Utah this week. Really? No. Uh, anyway, we'll see. Uh, my lock of the week. I'm two and two. Let's go back to the Georgia well. They're taking on Missouri, who is not good. Georgia's given up 29 points. I'll say it. Let's do it. I mean, this could be a game where Georgia wins like fifty-two to seven. That's so. what you maybe thought about Kent State, and then they barely but I didn't bet they on them last week. They only Kent won by State. ten. Well, that's not my problem. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was my problem there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to the NFL, where uh, on the season you are six and nine. You went two and three last week. I had a great. I went four and one last week, which got me back up to the same record at six and nine. Uh, so first up, Jacksonville at Philadelphia. The Eagles are giving up six and a half. I'm I'm riding Jacksonville here. They they've got some a couple of very impressive wins. Trevor Lawrence might actually be elite. Uh, this is a revenge game for Doug Peterson against Philadelphia. So I'm taking Jacksonville. I don't know that Jacksonville is going to win. Philadelphia has looked really good so far this season, but I think they will keep it close and cover the six and a half. Or they might win outright. I don't know. I like Jacksonville too. I feel like they're kind of similar to to KU right now, where Vegas continues to kind of undersell them for what they are at this point. Like they haven't fully adjusted yet. I do think Philadelphia is really good, but six and a half feels too big for me. I thought this line would be closer to maybe three and a half, four, four and a half points. So I'll take Jacksonville as well. The defense I've been really impressed with, and then what you mentioned with Trevor Lawrence. Buffalo minus three at Baltimore. I'm taking Baltimore here because Lamar Jackson has just been on an absolute tear. And as a fantasy football owner of Lamar Jackson, I've been very pleased by that as well. Uh, 40 fantasy points for Lamar Jackson the past two weeks. And I think for Baltimore, they obviously had that loss to Buffalo in the playoffs. I think last year was it. It was a close game, or maybe two years ago. Um, but regardless, I think this is a this is another situation where Baltimore could be looking to make a bit of a statement here. They're, Baltimore is another team that I feel like has kind of slipped into the back of people's minds as an AFC contender, when I think they very much could be. And this might be a game, I think, where they get back into that conversation with a win against Buffalo. So I'm taking Baltimore, and I'm, I'm taking them outright, plus three, and I'm taking them to win the game. Okay, I'm going Buffalo. Uh, I've got them covering the three here. I've got them getting a bounce back to Miami. I mean, it was stupid that they lost that Miami game. Yes. They like tripled them up in <laughs> yards. They like doubled them up in time of possession. They just couldn't really punch it in. And so I, I think that they have a bounce back this week. Um, I will take the Bills minus the three. Denver is at Las Vegas in a battle of AFC West teams. The Raiders though are favored. They're giving up two and a half. I'm taking Denver here solely just because I want the Raiders to start 0 and 4. That's the only reason. I, I, as you know, I am a certified Denver hater mm-hmm. slash not believer. They're still only going to win like five games. They'd be but three and is, one at that point. <laughs> I guess that's true. Well, now I'm running out of I'm running out of time for them to lose. Well, anyways, I'm still picking Denver though. I just I want uh, Vegas to start 0 and 4. I think that'd be hilarious. And and you know what? For all of the kind of 
memes around Denver and Nathaniel Hackett and everything, like their defense has been pretty good, and they should be they should be three and zero. I mean, they played the Seahawks; they should have beat the Seahawks. So I'm gonna go with Denver. Okay, you're slowly buying into Denver. Um, I'm not buying into Denver. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Las Vegas. I, I don't think they're as bad as 3-0, and I think Denver is, even though, like you said, they very easily could be 3-0, I think Denver has shown to be worse than 2-1. No, they're so definitely I, a fraudulent 2-1 team. Yeah, I think that these things kind of balance <laughs> out this week. Like, I, I don't think Vegas is bad enough to just keep losing <laughs> games. Like they, there's still a floor there for what they are, so I'm going to go with the Raiders here, as well as kind of a maybe Vegas knows something line. Like, why are they favored by 2.5? Uh, yeah. Kansas City at Tampa Bay. This is a pick 'em right now. I'm riding with the boys. I'm taking Kansas City here. Mm. I think uh, I think Mahomes is going to go scorched earth, and I just I can't pick against the boys, Derek. Like if you're going <laughs> to give it to me, I'm going to ta- I'm going to take the Chiefs. Okay. So I'm, I'm picking the Chiefs in a pick 'em. Uh, again, I, it's it, it, this is it's a tough game because I think it could go a lot of different ways, but um, I'm I'm riding I'm riding the Chiefs here. So I am going to go with Tampa Bay in this one. I just. When I look at both teams, the receivers being kind of depleted, injured, and everything, I think this is going to come down to more the running game and the defense, and the Buccaneers are just better in both regards there. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Uh, the Rams are at San Francisco on Monday Night Football. 49ers are giving up a point and a half. Okay, this is another head-scratcher line to me because the 49ers are coming off of a pretty embarrassing loss to the Broncos. You had the Jimmy G safety pick six on the same play. Like, what are they thinking, given the 49ers one and a half? And it might be a trap line, and if it is, I'm falling for it. I'm taking I'm taking the Rams. Uh, I mean, the Rams, obviously, they got off to that bad start, but they're still going to be one of the top teams in the NFC, I think. And this is going to be a game where I think they will win maybe easily over the Niners. I don't know. I mean, obviously, the Niners have a good defense, but I'm still, I'm still taking the Rams here. Well, see, I wonder if San Francisco's like the opposite of what we said with KU and Jacksonville. Like Vegas is buying too much into them. They haven't adjusted to the negative side of what they actually are because they're one and two with a loss to the Bears. Like they have not looked good. But all that being said, I am going San Francisco. I'm just going to trust Vegas on this one. Uh, Lock of the week. I'm one and two. You're two and one. Who do you got? All right, I'm taking Minnesota plus or Minnesota minus three. Excuse Mm. me against New Orleans, and here's why. Couple, couple reasons. Well, does this count as prime time? See, that's what I was going to get into. It's the opposite of prime (laughs) time, Derek. That's why. That's why I'm taking the Vikings. It's the opposite. But local time, it's prime time. No, I no though. I think local time, it's like like in England, in like in the afternoon, right? Maybe aren't they like six hours ahead? So it'd be like if they're kicking off at eight thirty Central Time, wouldn't that be like four or five? I think you're probably right. Okay, yeah. So anyways, it's the opposite of primetime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's number one. So Kirk Cousins is going to throw for 7,000 yards mm-hmm. and 20 touchdowns in the game. And on top of that, Michael Thomas is out, and it was just announced this morning that Jameis Winston is also out mm. for this game. So I think – I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton is their backup, I think. Don't that quote sounds me on right. that. But, Either that uh, unless they're going to go back to the Taysom Hill well. Yeah, so that's why I'm taking the Vikings, mainly because of the anti-primetime Murphy's Law here, anti-primetime. <laughs> They're going to get it done. I like that. I like that one a lot. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go with Arizona, though. Plus one at Carolina. I think Carolina stinks. I think Arizona's not very good, but I think Arizona stinks a little bit less. And uh, I like Kyler Murray more than Baker Mayfield in the battle of former OU. Very astute analysis. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right, that's our game fix for the week. Two hours down, one to go. Sports stock market and a Florida man Mad Libs coming at you next. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on another edition of RCST. Coming up shortly, we're going to have our Florida man Mad Libs, Sam Speckle, come in here 
And we'll do that segment coming up in just a little. But it is that time on a Friday to get to our sports stock market here on RCST. You hear the bell, and that means we can tell you what's up, what's down in the sports world, and maybe some other stuff, too, with the stock market here. First up, stock is up on LeBron going to college. He tweeted this out last Saturday. Do I have college eligibility if I went to play another sport besides basketball? How does that rule work? Obviously, J.R. Smith went back and, and played collegiate golf. What if LeBron oh, yeah, played true. football at Kansas? That would be insane. Join the, the tight end is, group. Would he even start? Would he be better than Jared Casey? Exactly. I think not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Would he even get on the field? Mm. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> uh, do you think, I wonder what sport he would actually be interested in joining. Like, what do you think he would be? Yeah, you I think don't it know. would be football. Well, the thing is, he's 37. Yeah. So like he like I understand he's LeBron and he's like a physical specimen and all this, but like he's still, you know, well past really the the prime age for NFL players. So I don't know if he'd want to put his body at that at that risk. You know. So, yeah, that's a good point. So I don't know, and obviously probably not basketball. That'd be too obvious. No, I don't think you can. I, I don't think I think that's think part of the can. rule. You can't. You can't play whatever sport you've made money on, like, professionally, oh, okay. right? So, he, I mean, I have to assume he's a pretty decent golfer. He could golf. Maybe. Maybe. Or, like, swimming. Mm-hmm. Is he a good swimmer? Could be a swimmer. I don't know. Or, or he's a strong guy. He could be an excellent rower, I bet. Yeah. He, he <laughs> could probably he, row really like, well. I want to I want to go to college <laughs> so I can get up at 5 in the morning every day to go join the rowing team. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, he... Well, the thing is, LeBron or is such a good like athlete that whatever he wants to do. He could do, do like long jump or broad jump. That could be interesting. You know? Yeah, whatever he wants to do, he would do well at it. But it definitely is interesting to me um, because football has been the one where it's always like people would be like, oh, well, what if he, you know, what if he played tight end? What if he played quarterback? Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, there are some guys that, you know, have played both. You mm-hmm. know, like Moali Cox was at Baylor and then now he's played for the Colts. So there are some guys mm-hmm. like that that can do both. Stock is down on being impartial. Kentucky offensive coordinator Rick Scringrello. I don't know how to pronounce this. Scringrello. Scringrello, I think. That's a fake name. Uh, said his quarterback, <laughs> Will Levis, will be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Oh, I'm sure you did say that, Rich. I would say that, too, if I, if I had a, a good quarterback who was I was the offensive coordinator. Of. Yeah, he's like, well, you know, he, he should be the number should, one pick. And whoever's calling plays for him, that guy yes. should should get, get a that raise. Get that man a job. Yeah, yeah get, get him in the NFL. Get him in the NFL, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, oh, of course, absolutely. My quarterback, number one in the draft. No yeah. questions asked. I love it. Uh, he's not going to go number one in the draft. C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are probably going to go higher than him. I mean, who knows? I, I guess it's possible. He does have, like, all the tools. He's a big quarterback. He's known as being a good leader and, like, being yeah. a locker room he's, or he's a, got, a weight room warrior. He's got what they love to call intangibles. Yeah, right. He's got intangibles. So, uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably be a first-round pick, and, and we'll see what he can do on the road against Ole Miss later this weekend. But, no, that's uh, probably not happening. <laughs> I, I like that he said he will be the number one pick as yes, opposed to like, like, I think he should be. Yeah, it's it was like, no, no question. he will. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, stock is up on losing out on big money. So Aaron Judge hit his, whatever it was, 61st home run that like tied the record or whatever with uh, Roger yep. Maris, right? Yep. And he hits it. They're playing in Toronto. And basically how it works is there's like the bullpen and then right behind it they have the stands in left field. And the guy who was in the front row of that was basically had the opportunity to catch the ball. It dropped off of his, he even brought a glove, drops off his glove into the bullpen. I mean, that's, that's probably a six-figure yeah. amount of ball, or one that you could like, you know, the Yankees are like, here, we'll give you all this awesome stuff if you give us the ball. And by the way, 
uh, stock is up on names that aren't real. It's not just the offensive coordinator there with Rich Scrangello. It is the guy who dropped the ball. His name is Frankie Lasagna. <laughs> he had to. He owns an Italian restaurant. He had to have like legally changed his name. Well, and what's crazy is this game was in Toronto. It, like if it was yeah. in New York, it would be even more Frankie hilarious. Frankie Lasagna. Hey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But this this is in Toronto. And I think the guy was actually a Blue Jays yeah, fan. Yeah, he had Blue Jays garb yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, so it's it, it would have been more hilarious if it was like the pinnacle, <laughs> like Bronx, you know, Yankees mm-hmm. game. But now it's kind of even more funny that he's in Toronto. There's just a guy in Toronto just chilling named Frankie Lasagna. And yes, I have to assume this man has world famous lasagna that he makes hope. at his uh, at his Italian restaurant. Uh, see, but is this just like it's like Mattress Mac? Like, you know, that's just how people know him. You know, he does commercials <laughs> or like, hey, I'm Frankie Lasagna. Come on out. We got two for one lasagna. It's the best lasagna, my mother's recipe, all this stuff for like What if the name of his restaurant is Frankie's Lasagna? <laughs> could just be and he just named himself that i don't know if that's his actual name though like i well that's a good point though did he change his name that's what i'm saying i wonder if he he legally changed it in which case it wouldn't be as cool yeah if lasagna is his real last name that's awesome i have a friend actually his last name is uh magis long i think it's it's like m-a-g-s-l-a-n-g something but everyone calls him lasagna because his Mm. name his last name is like it's tough to say and it's got the same letters as lasagna I don't. I don't know. I just threw that in there. Oh, it would be very disappointing if he's like, "Oh, it's pronounced Lasagna" or something like that. <laughs> okay, stock is down on USA basketball uh, for the first time since the FIBA World Rankings started. Yes, uh, which this is, is kind of interesting. About story. twenty years it's, ago. Yeah, it's been like twenty, twenty-five years. But ever in the entire history of the World Rankings, the USA has always been number one, and that I may not be the case yeah. anymore. Spain, Spain's coming. Mm. Spain is coming. Now, I read the story. The Athletic put a story out, and it was basically like, oh, yeah, you know, the, they have like these, for the FIBA rankings, they have these different smaller tournaments that happen, but a lot of them happen during the NBA season. So the star NBA guys don't actually like play in that kind of stuff. So that's why you see some of these other countries that are don't have any, uh, like, are not real basketball countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that Spain's not a real basketball country, but they're, you know, not as good as the United States, but because right. of the ranking system. So. If you're looking to potentially buy some stocks on USA Basketball, mm-hmm. buy now, especially ahead of the World Cup, because they are not ahead of the World <laughs> Cup, ahead of the uh, Olympics. The Olympics are coming up, right? Yes, they are. Um, I guess not coming up, that, but 2024? Are they? Yeah, I guess they're always coming up, if That's you think true. about it. Yeah. Um, you know, do you... Do, do, should we put, like, ranking systems stock down? Kansas wasn't ranked in the AP poll. USA oh, Basketball true. clearly is the best team, even if they're not number one. Yes. I think we put – I Socks we forgot to do my systems. college football playoff rankings this week. I think ranking systems yeah. are on, on the down. They're just on the down. Yeah, stock's down. So if you are if you don't trust ranking systems, we're with you. Yeah. Don't don't buy the socks on them. Uh, like, maybe buy now, buy low, sell high. I don't know. Like, come on. USA, if they're playing Spain, <laughs> even if Spain is number one, USA is favored by, what, eight, nine, ten points, something like that? Uh, like, come maybe on. even more. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, uh, stock is up on Al Michaels – I don't know. Maybe it's stock up on him being a football guy and not knowing other things. Maybe it's it's stock down no, it's, on it stocks up on him being a football okay. guy. Okay. This is just a guy who eats, leaves and eats. Because football guys would not know much about Lord of the Rings. Yes, eats lives and breathes. I don't know why I'm having so much trouble saying that. <laughs> lives and breathes football. Because during a promo read, instead of saying for the Lord of the Rings show, instead of saying the Orc Army, he said the O R C Army. <laughs> like he said it phonetically, O R C. That makes me wonder. Like, did the, the person who gave him the read? Did he like write it in all caps? Yeah. He was like, make sure when you say Orc, you're like Orc. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
But like, I don't know. But I'm also willing to give Al Michaels a pass on this because obviously he's an older guy, you know, so maybe he's not as so much in tune with But like pop the culture. movie Lord of the Rings came out what, like 20, 20 years, years ago? ago? Yeah, at least. And like even if you haven't watched Lord of the Rings, I have it a hard time believing. This will I'll lead this to a funny story that that goes yeah. locally that actually we were talking about just yesterday <laughs> off air. Um but like I feel like you would at least know what an orc is or at least yes. had heard that the word orc or something like that. Uh so the funny story, we have like a voice guy who does great work for us. So like I don't I don't want if he hears this, which I don't think he listens to the show, so it's not a big deal, but uh to think that like that's not the case. He does great work for us. But uh we had this was a little bit ago when that Secrets of Dumbledore movie came out, the uh, like latest in the Fantastic Beast series, and we had a like DVD we were giving away on on one of our sister stations, and he sent back the voice audio, and it was like how everybody in the world, <laughs> if they haven't at least seen Harry Potter, has at least like they've heard the name Dumbledore, yeah. or like at the very least you could like look it up very very <laughs> easily and be like, okay, that's how you pronounce it. And the voice audio all came back. It was like. The secrets of Dumbledore, or like the secrets of Doombledore, <laughs> the secrets of Dumbledore, and it was just like, come on, this is a joke. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll give that's him a pass because he's one. a football guy. Okay, last one. Stock is down on the NCAA respecting the troops because Air Force has been placed on two years probation for some stuff with having recruits in on like dead periods and, and just simple like NCAA rules that are like stupid. I think I. I think if you're a service academy, you should be exempt, right? From everything. Yes. I think if they're like, hey, uh, if we want to pay players to come here, that should be allowed because by coming to those universities, you have to enlist in like the Air Force or Army yeah. once you're done. Yeah. So I think they should be completely free of, of any recruiting issues from the NCAA. Yeah, that's a tough look for the NCAA. The, the NCAA just continues to take L's, Derek. Mm -hmm. Left and right, they just can't do anything right. And even, even in trying to correct a wrong, they still mess it up. I have a friend who went to Air Force, and, and I sent it to him, and I was like, the NCAA hates the troops. And he was like, it's true. Think about it. The NCAA banned uh, like certain forms of cut blocking, and it's like, which schools are the ones that yep. do the most cut blocking? So the NCAA, I have real questions. Do you hate the troops? Mark Emmert, if you're listening. Mm, we need a What address. is your answer? Yeah. This is it. We are, we are making a formal statement. Because right What now, is your response? It uh, does not look good for the NCAA. All right, that is our sports stock market for the week with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we have another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depending on it. All right, it is a special Friday edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. We were unable to get it earlier this week due to some uh, scheduling stuff, but that's okay. We get to kind of send it into the weekend with some fun stuff here. So, uh, Sam's back with us in studio for this latest edition of Florida Man Lab. Mad Libs. Once again, Nick Springer with me, Derek Johnson, here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Sam, catches up. What is the score? Yeah, no, so uh, I, I actually don't mind it being on Fridays. I think Wednesday is a good kind of interlude for the rest of the week. We kind of give you that hump day relief, a little bit of comedic relief as well. Or Fridays, so I do apologize for the scheduling confliction that happened in the middle of the week there. But, uh, yes, Florida Man scheduled normally for Wednesdays. But glad that we were able to get this week because, again, Nick needs to do some making up in terms of uh, the previous week. The only reason why is because you were able to tie things up at 3-3. Three and three, throw uh, So through six weeks of Florida Man Mad Libs, we have an even tie of three wins, three losses for both of you. However, 
because each round is weighted at a different point value. Derek, you actually have the tiebreaker of a 23-point to 17-point advantage right now. Now, here's a quick question because I don't have a favorite of the week here real quick, but are you guys okay with your... Uh, you know the, your people. Yeah, here. we've got a we've got a poster up in the studio that keeps track of. Are you okay with standings. your character? Derek has got like a a guy in a in a tube holding <laughs> some stuff. I've got whitey tidy Superman going on, which I guess is fine. Are you guys okay with your character? Though I love my character. <laughs> your character's having fun. Yeah, yeah, so he's holding a PBR everyone... with an American flag uh, uh, cape, and then yes, there's literally Superman with whitey tidies. Yeah. So everyone saying. that comes into the studio, <laughs> everyone that comes into the studio uh, is aware of the ongoing standing. So we're technically tied at three and three, as you said, but I guess by aggregate score, I'm losing. Um, but yeah, I got I got to put in a good and this a simple win today would put you back in first place, even if Derek continues to have more points than you. So the aggregate numbers again is more or less for the situation that we find ourselves in now, tied at three to three. But let's get to it. First round again, only one word will be redacted in first round, and then we'll get to the second round, which is worth a little bit more in point value. So we'll start here with this: as a Florida man was arrested for felony theft. Felony theft, that's a pretty hefty charge there. Uh, so, arrested for felony theft for stealing 66 rolls of blank from a hotel. Mm. So, we need to figure out exactly. <laughs> Toilet paper, right? Uh, that's an option, certainly. It could be an option. Now, towels, I will say the, the article was from 2020, so that uh, when everybody was freaking out about toilet paper. But a felony okay. amount? I mean, it's 66 yeah, rolls. Yeah, what qualifies? I was going to say, what, what uh, qualifies as felony? <laughs> also, 66 rolls of uh, carpeting. So just kind of some extra carpeting or something like that. Maybe they okay. were doing uh, some replacements or something. Or 66 rolls of bread from the hotels. Oh. So we got toilet paper, carpeting, or bread? Uh, that's right, for the first one. Again, only one redacted word in round number one. But where are you guys thinking? Because I, I feel like all three of these kind of make sense. Is toilet paper too obvious? That's what I'm thinking. I think it's too obvious. I think toilet paper is too obvious. Because like, he mentioned the 2020 part, trying to like entice us even more to pick, to pick toilet paper. I'm... I'm going to go with carpeting because it's a felony. <laughs> it's a felony, right? 66 what? rolls of carpeting is definitely think, over $1,000. I don't think 66 like. rolls of bread qualifies as felony <laughs> level. It's got to be the carpeting. So this guy, he probably was like, maybe he was maybe he was recarpeting his home. Yeah. And he decided, you know what? These people don't need their carpeting. I'm going to take it. I like the carpeting at the hotel. I want to put it in my house. I don't know. <laughs> I, I See, I almost wonder if this is so obvious that Sam is trying to trick us into thinking, thinking it's, it's yeah. of course it can't be that it's too obvious i've taken the bait on that before i'm gonna go with toilet paper Ooh, Derek, going with toilet paper and you use the clue the little hint that i uh gave out correctly because it was 2020 i don't know where the felony theft for stealing 66 rolls of toilet paper comes from because really you Man. can you can buy a big pack from walmart and there's what 24 rolls in there and it couldn't be more than twelve. Yeah, well, and then yeah. you, know, you get the you get the mega rolls, which are like you know. But I'm six thinking rolls in one. If I'm thinking felony theft, I'm thinking theft over a thousand here. I'm thinking yeah. like big time. I don't money. know. Maybe they upcharge things. Maybe those yeah. those rolls of toilet paper. Well, and at the time, yeah. again during Even COVID, like maybe the it's worst a luxury toilet paper ever. Maybe it's a luxury hotel, so they have like you know. <laughs> well, and during COVID again, paper. that was a commodity. I mean, you could have mm, you yeah. could have sold that yeah. on the corners. Uh, so uh, Derek comes away with one point here in round number one. Good job, Derek. So let's Thank get you. into round number two. We got three questions with two redacted words out of these Florida man headlines. We will start with this: a Florida man. Uh, I will say this: I got a majority amount of Florida man headlines this week because it doesn't require it to be Florida man, but at the same time, <laughs> true. 
it's pretty easy to find these. The headline just has to be crazy, but obviously exactly. the Florida man notoriety doesn't require point. it. Yeah. But uh, a man arrested for using blank to intentionally hit a blank. Hmm. <laughs> So okay. there's a lot of different areas. We'll start with the first yeah. blank here. Uh, a man arrested for using a mower, a semi-truck, or his work vehicle to intentionally hit a blank. Hmm, this is interesting. Because all are pretty... At uh, first I thought it was going to be like baseball bat to hit a mailbox or something. Yeah, like One of those, you know. Just wait, I don't even know just wait the, for, the, for, for a later question. Yeah, I don't, I'm not quite <laughs> sure what the second option would be here. Because intentionally hit like a... So I've, in my mind, he's like running over... Like his boss, maybe, or like his, like, you know, or his neighbor, so or somebody he's just disgruntled with. So I'm leaning towards, I'm leaning towards work vehicle, because I think it's like a guy who is having a bad day at work, and maybe he, like somebody, some pedestrian in a crosswalk was like flipped him off or something, and he just ran him over. Or like I said, maybe it was his boss. I'm gonna go with work vehicle here. Okay, I, again, like if I'm playing the, trying to figure out what. The headline writer would write, as I throw my pen across the table, um, I don't think that the headline writer would put work vehicle in the headline. I think they would just put, like, with a car or something like that. So I'm going to go semi. Uh, work vehicle for Nick, semi for Derek there. So a man arrested for using a blank, either a semi or work vehicle, were the options chosen to intentionally hit a duck, a gator, an alligator, or his neighbor's mailboxes. <laughs> There's the mailbox. Um Let's go with the mailbox. That was okay. my initial gut reaction. See, I can't. If I was going to go away. with the mailbox, I was thinking it would have been like a lawnmower. He would have intentionally rammed his <laughs> lawnmower true. into his mailbox. <laughs> but I went with work vehicle. I'm going to go with alligator. Obviously, it's Florida, so there's got to be a lot of alligators around. And I would believe that. I mean, I'm sure Florida has laws that probably like make it illegal to, you know, intentionally kill or harm alligators since they're a natural animal of Florida. So I'm thinking. You know, maybe this guy he just just ran over an alligator and <laughs> in his work vehicle. intentionally. Intentionally, was, yes. yeah, exactly. It was was in exactly. the uh, with intent. So again, so I'm arrested for using. We'll get to the first one because neither of you got it. It was a lawnmower. Using ah. a lawnmower to intentionally hit an alligator, and it oh, severely okay. injured this alligator. Okay. By the way, um, but nonetheless, Nick, imagine. you were able to come with. Okay. I got a point. <laughs> Here we go. Wait, so that's a crime. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. I'm, I figure Florida has. I feel like they they're protected animals. Or... Yeah, they probably have laws to protect. Mm. You know, I don't like that. Well, and also, I mean, isn't it? Wouldn't it just be illegal to just intentionally hurt any animal? I basically? think showing but violence it's an alligator any it can hurt item, you, yeah. and it's on your lawn. Well, well I didn't say lawn. It didn't go yeah, much into yeah, context maybe here. I assume what it would, maybe it's, it's a lawnmower. Maybe, maybe oh, his neighbor's lawn. right. That is kind of maybe he's mowing his neighbor's lawn or not his. <laughs> well, property. it's still a lawn. I don't. <laughs> yeah, wherever it may have been, uh, he damaged this alligator pretty bad. In fact, Peta almost got involved for a lawsuit. Wow. Uh, but mm. no, he was charged with uh, animal cruelty. So See that, exactly. Anytime you harm, dude. If the animal can kill you, you <laughs> should be free reign. Free reign. I mean, what about what if it's just like minding its own business though? Yeah, there's there's those stories. Dude, of it's those, an uh, alligator. Yeah, but there's those stories of those people that will travel yeah, to the, Africa and just shoot a lion. Like, yeah, a lion. Yeah, that's can not kill. cool. Yeah, that's but that's going into its territory. If the alligator. The alligator is on my house. If it's just chilling, and, and then, then run over it with a lawnmower, whose fault is so that? So if it's just chilling at the front door, it's not doing anything. But now I can't go out my front door. What do I do? I can't. Well, you, you call the authorities. Probably. You just politely ask it to move. 
know, like, or, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. something. Hey, Gator, please uh, see you later. Let's uh, get to the end of the driveway here. So uh, one point for Nick there in the first uh, question of the second round. Ties things up here. Makes it interesting, actually. So uh, you were talking from the first round there about uh, maybe what they were, uh, you know, kind of using there. But a man arrested for hitting his blank with blank after she told him to leave. So a man arrested, and another Florida man, by the way, after hitting either his neighbor, his daughter, or the store owner with blank after she told him to leave. Is this specifically the store owner? Or is it store owner? It's the only thing that would make sense uh, okay. grammatically here. Okay. So it's kind of hard to rebuild a... a, a uh, without making it too obvious, basically. Okay. So, trying to make it tricky for you. Uh, I, I think I'm going to go with store owner, actually, because neighbor just seems too boring, and daughter, I don't know. I just choose to believe that Florida man would not hurt his daughter. So I'm going to go with store. Owner. I'm hoping it's not daughter, because then this is going to be a really dark segment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let's not go with that one. I, the reason I asked the question, I, I don't think, again, like if I'm getting into the headline writer, they wouldn't put the store owner. They I think would have you're reading space. way too much into that stuff. I'm not. that Every time I've done that, it's been right. <laughs> well, so, or maybe they would actually mention the store name, like if it's a 7 No, I think they would just something. say store owner gets hit or something yeah. like that. Like they have limited amount of space. So I am going to go with neighbor. Neighbor it is for Derek. Okay, so a man arrested for hitting either the store owner or neighbor between these two options with either his shoe their Christmas decorations, or mm. a pizza after she told him to <laughs> oh, leave. Yeah. I know this is this is Christmas. I know decorations. It was, you think Christmas decorations. <laughs> it has to be because what? It's probably like okay. I, I don't know. You didn't say like when this came out. It could have came out in you know a, a more whatever time. But right now we're you know at a time where if they just what if they have their Christmas decorations up for the entire year, and this guy's like take the Christmas decorations <laughs> down. So he's talking with his neighbor, and he's like take. The darn things down, and they're like, "No, you can't make us." And so now he's like, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do about it?" And he's like, "Oh," blah, blah. and then they get a shoving match, and then he hits him. Um, you know, takes off the they got a little frosty, the snowman or something. Then he smacks him with it or something. I, I love that answer. I feel great about this. I feel great about this one. So confident with Christmas decorations, I'm gonna go, Nick. What are you feeling? I'm gonna select pizza. I think this guy <laughs> is trying to buy some pizza at, from a store, and for whatever reason, so like imagine like a like a Casey's or like a you know. Uh, whatever store, you a know, slice like a, shop or yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. like that, where you just so he's trying to buy pizza. some pizza, and f something, one thing or another occurs to where he becomes upset, <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I don't care about this pizza. I'm just mad at you, and just whack <laughs> with the pizza straight to the face. All right. Well, here's the full headline here, folks, and uh, it's kind of odd because it does go dark. It was his daughter oh, that he was hitting. Oh, see, uh, a man arrested odd. for hitting daughter with a pizza. Okay, after I got a she point. told him to leave. Um, when police arrived, he was uh, obviously intoxicated. There was a sense and a smell of alcohol coming from the individual and things like this. But, yes, it was. It, I hate to giggle like that, but it wasn't the one I was expecting to read. But you ask, uh, could it possibly be a Florida man that does this? Absolutely. That's why we have these Florida mm. man headlines. So I, yes, just, I uh, feel gross about that. It's, <laughs> hard to, it's hard to come to. But uh, that's why I tried to, you know, put besides pizza, something that wasn't like a bat or like a weapon, mm -hmm. you know, just something yeah. that might uh, make yeah. sense. All right, let's get to the last one right, here. So I got a point there, right? That's right, Nick, okay. with a 2-1 lead, lead here. Let's go. Nice small advantage. This is probably my favorite one of the week here so far, uh, just because I don't know how it would have happened. A Florida man flees police in a stolen blank, crashes the vehicle, <laughs> then blanks. 
Okay. So we'll start with the first blank here. Man flees in a, uh, excuse me, man flees the police in a stolen front end loader, like a caterpillar. Okay. A patrol car or an ice cream truck crashes that vehicle, then blanks. So we have front end loader, Mm, ice cream truck, and the patrol car, the police vehicle itself. I think ice cream truck would be a good, would be a funny option, but also, what if it's a patrol car? Like, obviously it's stolen if it's a patrol car, right? There's no question about it. It's stolen at that point. (laughs) So, yeah. So I'm leaning more towards that. Uh, I think I'm going to go with patrol car here. Yeah, I'm trying to think about the end game here, right? Because the second blank, like, what did he do after it that would make it unique, right? Did he he just get up and run? Or if it's the ice cream truck, did he start just eating the ice cream? Or, like, if it's the patrol car. Did he just get in the back? He get in the back and locked himself in. Yeah, he's like, ha, now now I'm locked in. I'm going to go patrol car as well. All right, both with the patrol car here. So instead of front-end loader or ice cream truck, we went with a police cruiser. Uh, So a man flees police in a stolen police cruiser, as you guessed, crashes, and then either of these three options. He either runs away and unfortunately has no pants on for the uh, police officers (laughs) to obtain him. He takes another patrol car and continues the chase, or he simply lit up a cigarette and waited for his uh, demise. Uh, Interesting. So I'll let you go first because I'm down in points. So I'm gonna have to answer ob- different. Obviously, the logical answer here would be based on our first selection would be that he takes another patrol car and go and continues the chase, or it could be that he lights a cigarette. That those are the two that I'm torn between. But I think I'm just gonna go all in on the patrol car narrative and pick the he steals another patrol car and continues the chase. Yeah, lighting up a cigarette basically just kind of assumes his fate. At that point, he's given yeah. up. And if I had so. gone with a different like if I had gone with ice cream truck, I would probably have gone with cigarette. But <laughs> I think I'm just gonna go all in. I think I'm just gonna go Your all in. Your SpongeBob ice cream car. bar is gonna have a little weird taste to it this week. So uh, okay, so I have to answer differently because I'm down in points and I, I picked the same first one that Nick did. So I'm gonna actually go with the first option there about him no pants. running with no pants. No pants on. Here is the full, and again, this was the most surprising, the full one. Man flees police in a stolen patrol car, crashes that patrol car, and then presumably steals another Ah, cop. Let's go! So a big three-point win there. I think that actually brings us close in terms of point value. But Nick, with his fourth victory, moving back up into first place, so I will have to redo this here. Uh, But, uh, however, it was in the process of questioning when he was able to kind of slide his uh, hands underneath his feet, get his feet or his uh, hands in front of him while in handcuffs, and then slipped into the driver's seat yeah, of that, see, that was uh, my secondary question, police like, car. Okay, that was my question. Was it like they actually arrested him and then he got the second patrol car? Yes. Or, or in my mind, was it like, you know, they, they got him s- surrounded, he jumps out of his car, and then like just bum GTA rushes another, style yeah, finds like, another one. Just bum rushes another cop <laughs> car and steals that one. So they actually had him arrested. He was in. He, he was in the patrol car that he then presumably <laughs> stole from that point okay. on. Yeah. All right, Sam, That's I have one for you. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. 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 No, this is hilarious. We 100 percent thought this we was going to be, gonna on, be on, this on this one because Derek found it earlier. But yeah. this I tried is, to avoid hurricane and other stuff from Florida from this last week. But what do we got here from Florida this time? Florida reporter defends putting blank on blank during Hurricane Ian broadcast. Okay. Um. And the first blank, I don't even know. I, I didn't even come up with options here. Um, so I'm just going to have to guess from the walls here. Yeah. So putting we'll blank like a, on blank. Like plastic bag. A plastic bag. Do you know what it is, Nick? Do you yes, know what I the know. actual yeah, plastic Derek, bag? Derek shared the, the plastic bag or what else? I don't even know. Come on, Derek. I don't even know. Come on, uh, Derek. Plastic bag. Plastic bag couldn't be the answer. That wouldn't be the only option. Plastic, plastic bag, dog, dog, cat, or hot dog. Or no. Or condom. I don't know. Or condom. Sure. 
Oh, I saw this. It was a condom. Yeah. It oh, was over the this. microphone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a okay. condom over the microphone, right? Yeah. <laughs> keep it dry. Does that keep it dry uh, during coverage? I this guess, is why we let but... you do it. We just completely <laughs> muffled that up. But yeah, that was uh, <laughs> we fumbled the bag hard. There. No, I saw that picture. It it fooled around uh, online for yeah. uh, for a couple of days there. But again, I just I struggle to believe that that was your best solution. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes. Now it I understand it, protection it wise. Keeps it dry. Keeps it dry. Yeah, exactly. Well, in Fine. terms of size too, you can. Can get whatever you need. In All there. right. So, On that but note. that'll do it. Uh, yeah, it looks like Nick gets uh, his fourth win of Florida Man headlines. I think points wise, you guys are actually going to be pretty mm-hmm. close uh, after this week. But as always, we'll be back next Wednesday. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to make up my time. We'll see you next time. All right. That's Sam Speck with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Florida Man Mad Libs. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on.